In this episode of the Exploring for Security podcast, what is memory forensics? Welcome to the Exploring for Security podcast, where you will learn, explore, and grow your security mindset. I am your host, Timothy D. Block, and in this episode, we will be exploring what is memory forensics. Joining me today to help answer this question is Kyle Andrus, Senior Forensicator. Kyle, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. Um, so previously you had come on as part of our DEF CON con special, which by this point I haven't edited, but it will release by the time oh. this one goes oh. live. So the world hasn't heard that yet. No, but it, it is. It, it will be back to back. So that one that will, right. will have been last week. Um, but Kyle is on to talk about memory forensics. So yes. to get started, how did you get into memory forensics? So I, I got into memory forensics uh, as actually kind of like a, a weird natural transition from my original where I started just like Windows IT support. So I did a whole bunch of work doing like sys internal tools using sysmon and process explorer. And I got picked up by our local security team. And they're just like, you like diving in and figuring out why these things are broken. You should probably just start looking into forensics. And then memory forensics is the next game up. And we use it all the time at, at my current company. Because, I mean, that's how you're going to be able to tell like exactly what happened at that moment in time. And right. answer the important questions. What <laughs> happened? Did it run? <laughs> Did right. it do anything? <laughs> Yeah, that, and that's the biggest thing, and that's that's where my eyes kind of opened up to the power of memory forensics. Uh, working for the state of South Carolina, we'd have SOC alerts come in, and we were, you know, initially it was, okay, so how can we improve our defenses? So what are yeah. people going to as far as, like, websites that we can maybe, you know, tweak the web filters so that they stop going on those websites? <laughs> uh Come to find out, funnily enough, uh, a lot of the socklers we were getting were not really that big of a deal. You know, we we it was just amazing seeing, uh, and really cool seeing malware trying to execute on the box and something like antivirus stepping in, or yep. you know, you just didn't see anything. Or the best one I ever saw was I because we had installed Emmet uh, to our entire organization, and I saw Emmet step in. Nice kick the malware's butt and then the antivirus go oh i guess i have a job to do now and yeah. cleaned up after the fact uh one of one of the best moments but it's also there also are the times like wait a minute i'm missing five minutes of logs around this exact timestamp. Exactly. yeah we're gonna grab that box and get, yep. get it cleaned up just wipe it get rid of it <laughs> yeah i can't tell like how much how much time you just save in general when you're able to answer those questions like okay we saw that AV kicked off and did something, but then your next question is, okay, how long was this thing on the box, potentially, right? right? Or if it ran, what did it do? And if it didn't run at all, you could actually tell that from memory forensics, which then you don't have to like spend extra time churning to figure out what this is. You'd be like, oh, it's probably commodity malware. It ran, got caught by AV. We're done and good. So we can probably just either, depending on how risky you want to be, you could just put the box back into service or you can reload it anyway because you are afraid of everything anyway. <laughs> right. Right. Well, and that was the approach that, that the SOC liked to use was they're like, well, we just, you know, saw some kind of malware traffic. So might as well just re-rep the needs updates anyways. Right. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we, we, 
we kind of railed against that a little bit because that's also adding time to Correct. the imaging guy's job. You know, yep. he's got a PC refresh going on of 300 machines and us throwing up, you know, that box is going to be out of commission for two weeks. You know, we had, we had offices all over the state of South Carolina. So it was even, you know, it took even longer because someone had to go down, pick up the box, bring it back. And then, you know, there's a re- reverse with that <laughs> reverse yeah. trip to get that box back down there. Cause we didn't have a ton of extra machines to go around. So it was nice. Like you like you said, just getting, getting answers to some of these questions and kind of figuring uh, some of this stuff out. And, you know, my, one of my favorite moments, I know this is supposed to be an interview with you. <laughs> I have, you know, I, I get really excited about memory forensics. You were talking a lot about this before, you know, oh, yeah. and, and it was, you know, the one I, there's a bunch of free ones like volatility and, and what I found was redline. Um, but one of my coolest stories that I like to tell people is we had a phishing email come in, eight people clicked on it. Uh, we did memory forensics on the first couple. This happened on a Friday, by the way, because all yeah. the fun incidents happen on a Friday. They always do. Yeah. And uh, but after you know, it, it took a few hours to run. But once we found it, we found out exactly what it did, which what it put an executable in the temp folder. So then we were able to confidently, you know, go and grab that executable and just you know nuke it. And then we didn't have to go grab a bunch of boxes and and you know have a bunch of people out of work. And, you know, we got a confirmation email from the SOC saying, yeah, you guys got something on your box. And then, you know, because they are monitoring and they're, they're like highly tuned to send us even the littlest bit of everything. Like a few days after the fact, you're fairly confident that you got the, the issue. Um, so that was, that was one of my, my favorite stories. What about you? That's, that's very similar. Like there is we get like a lot of threat feeds, um, from different agencies potentially. Or from even from groups that we just are together as, but in general, those threat feeds can give us all types of information. And sometimes you get one, and it's like, oh, this looks bad, and it's like you know a single IP address is all you have to go off of. And so um, people in your security monitoring uh, can help you out. They'll be like, hey, there's one machine out there that was communicating on this IP. So then you go to that machine, and the only thing you have is IP. And then using basically memory forensics, you can pull out like, oh, is this process? Well, how did that process start? Oh. You start going through the the parent and child processes, and you find out you know potentially where it started, and it could be just sitting in someone's. It's probably the most common thing I've ever seen for persistence for malware is just dropping it in someone's run uh, in the registry, in the user's registry in the run key. So every time they log in, it just runs. And we had some stuff that was pretty interesting, where you know it was fileless malware where it stored its entire binary in the user's registry. And so when the user logged in, it would kick off a chain of scripts to basically load the malware out of the registry and run it. And it basically was running PowerShell at the end. But it was really neat to like be able to track that through a memory image and then put it all together and then write up like a report that's like, okay, check this out. Mm-hmm. And we started here and we got to here at these times. And you can see that you know this is exactly how this thing works, how it's persistent. And then we'll give you a high level idea of what this malware is capable of looking at things like the import address tables for the processing, things like that. Just high level, simple and quick. It's awesome. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> so, so what tools are you using? So I'm, I'm right now I'm a volatility guy. So it's kind of what I've grown up on, but there's a lot of incentive to check out recall. Um, but those are probably the, the two I would, I lean towards right now, mostly volatility, but. What, what I haven't heard about recall. So recall was a fork of volatility that um, I believe Google did, uh, and it's kind of part of their uh, uh, Google Rapid Response or GER. 
So that's a framework and kind of like an agent setup that you can put out in your environment. And you can do a whole bunch of like uh, interesting live analysis of your systems if you're hunting for things. Um, I haven't played with it a ton, but Recall was a part of that. Um, I don't know how well they interact between each other, but I'm pretty sure they do a lot. But you basically have a fork of volatility that's getting a lot of attention. And so volatility itself is still has a big community, but Recall also does. So it's kind of interesting to see the two. And they're both very big memory frameworks. Yeah. So what's your what's your methodology then for like you've got this box that you need to run memory forensics on? What what are your steps that you you do to start investigating? So the first is uh, because you know I work at a larger company, it's going to be acquiring a uh, you know a, a copy of running memory, and then depending on what that situation is, because if you're at a, a larger company, you could have a slow link site, which means that you might have to try and copy the memory off of a live system to another system at the site and then pull it back. Or if you're at a high-speed site, you can use some other tools um, to connect to it directly and just pull memory straight down. And then once you have your copy of your image, you can do a little chain of custody if you want to. <laughs> and then you can jump into for like uh, for volatility and, and even just doing the simple stuff where you start with a simple PS list. Um, that's a plugin in volatility that will just enumerate all the running processes, much like what you would see in a task list in, in Windows, right? And just looking at that, you can sometimes quickly spot things like uh, a service name is misspelled, or you see a, a weird chain of uh, child and parents where you see something strange like Chrome launching PowerShell or Outlook.exe launching uh, a script or something else. And you can it, that stuff starts to jump out at you after you do this for a little bit. So one of the things I kind of initially struggled with is that, I mean, when you're using these memory forensics, you're pretty much pulling in the events from everything in the machine. Yep. So how do you go about, like, what was, how did you just get start, you know, being able to read this different stuff? Was it just a lot of searching or was there something else that you did to really get familiar with doing memory forensics? Yeah. One is it's the probably the biggest thing that helps is being familiar with your environment and with your operator, like whatever OS you're using at your company. Right. So I'm a Windows shop, so my experience um, in IT support and doing this type of work, I'm very familiar with what should be running and what processes for me are normal. And so especially just doing the simple parts where you're looking at running processes, you can quickly spot things that are strange. And then once you have something strange, you can start to look at it, right? So, for example, there's some plugins called Handles and Volatility. Uh, what Handles allows you to do is kind of see anything that the, the process might have had opened or uh, had, you know, a mutex. Uh, there's, there's a lot of information uh, just from that that can kind of tell you what it might be doing or what it was last doing. And then if that doesn't, you can always look at it from other aspects, too. There's uh, some plugins that look for injected code. Uh, Malfine, for example, is another plugin that can do that uh, automatically for you. It's got a lot of false positives, but if you're targeting a specific process, sometimes that can quickly show you, like, there's definitely something strange with this process that you want to take another uh, even deeper dive. So at that point, um, if you're pretty confident that this particular executable is going to be a problem, or is suspicious enough, you can actually just dump it to disk. And once you dump it, then you can throw it over to something like a, a 
uh, malware.com or you know I usually wouldn't upload these things to <laughs> uh, uh, like a cloud service like VirusTotal or malware.com. But you could if you're doing this at home and you're just kind of playing around. But that could that would allow you to try and run that executable. It'll probably fail, but it'll still do some static code analysis for you automatically that could tell you whether this is known malware or not, or, or maybe suspicious in a couple of ways. Yeah, one other thing that I remember going through like all these events and stuff within, mem- within memory forensics is you have to have like you want a really precise timestamp. Yeah. Cause, yep. cause going like even two minutes on either side of the incident, uh, it, there's a lot of stuff there. I remember pulling up like 700 events in like a four minute period. Uh, and it just gets even, even, uh, you just get even more events on either side of that. Usually I was probably around like five minutes on either. So about a 10 minute time frame. Yep. And that's, and that's gets pretty interesting too, because you can always see like uh, a process that's currently running, but then your next question is like, okay, so how long has this process existed? And using uh, you know, memory forensics, you could also look at other uh, forensic artifacts. Another one they might look at is like the master file table, which could have uh, the timestamp of when this executable may have hit disk for the first time. So now you can say like, okay, so the malware probably hit disk for the first time at this timestamp and narrow your search down even farther. And if you know the timestamp, then you can always look at other stuff too, because a lot of browser activity um, or even emails that were open uh, are sometimes still cached in memory. Uh, depending, right? It depends on when these happened two months ago. It's probably not going to be in memory, but it's probably going to be in the page file. In the page file, I've been able to pull like history from like two years ago. It's kind of nuts, but it's it all like, connects to each other as you're doing this. I guess. So have you just found malware or are there other things that you get pulled in for? So yeah, ma- malware is pretty common. Uh, but then the other one would be the HR uh, kind of compliance investigations. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. <laughs> that's where I was yeah. kind of going with. So that's it why was... it's, it's interesting because you, you, you ask the question about, you know, how do you drive your investigation or when you start poking around in memory? And it depends on what your goal is. If you're just looking for execution, there's some particular artifacts you would go after. Um, but if you're looking for if the user did something, that is kind of a whole different ballgame. Um, many of the the same, uh, you know, Windows artifacts, or and mostly I deal with Windows. So, but the Windows artifacts that you would look at, if you're going to target uh, a user, for example, let's say they downloaded uh, uh, some illegal software. So you could uh, very easily parse any browsing history if you did it at the time when, for example, let's say your SOC got an alert about this random software hitting their disk, and then you pull their memory out away. Well, you could also get their entire browser history, and you could quickly parse things like their Google searches if they were using uh, Google Chrome. And that's a very quick way to show intent if someone was trying to download this thing. And I've seen like examples where people keep trying and they keep downloading different tools and you just see their, their Google searches start very broad and then they get narrower, narrower, narrower until they find what they're looking for. It's, it's pretty crazy. Like just from people's browsing habits and the things that they search for, how much you can learn about that person, which mm-hmm. then helps you in your HR and compliance <laughs> investigations. Right. 
Now, whether you want to learn some of that stuff about that person, probably not. Because people <laughs> ask medical questions in between their random searches for oh, you know, yeah. how to circumvent random security products. <laughs> so do you use these memory forensics for you know investigating people that may have deleted something? Or do you go to something more powerful as far as forensics goes? So we, we um, actually, if we're looking for um, general like... Uh, user activity. We actually have a, another tool that we use to parse memory images for us. Um, Magnetic Forensics has a product called um, Internet Evidence Finder. Okay. And it's probably the best tool I've found for uh, parsing browser uh, artifacts in general. It's awesome. I love it. Um, so we'll actually just turn that towards it. and It'll parse any um, Firefox, Chrome, Internet Explorer. Uh, it'll also pull up uh, a lot of other uh, Windows artifacts like their user assist, which kind of keeps track of uh, what programs the user is running uh, and just brings it all to you in a very nice GUI. So you can just quickly make reports for it. And then those reports are very easy to read and HR compliance likes that. Yeah, so I had I have some experience with NCase and I felt like that was more of a investigating someone who was doing something shady in the company and they deleted a bunch of their yep. files from from their computer because um you know when i use memory forensics it, it's exactly that it's just dealing with memory so there is kind of a separation there of tools and and using the right one for the right job yep yeah that's true that's true if you're looking for more long-term abuse you're going to be looking more at like the disc um, but stuff that happened more recently definitely just your memory image yeah, it's great because I mean, when, when we responded to stuff, we just had a, uh, we had a, you know, we had a drive. If we could get the tools, we were trying to move towards getting the tools on there, so they were already on there. But, you know, we had a way to pretty much get them onto the box, uh, whether it was like a burnable <laughs> USB yeah. stick or just you know like drag and drop. Uh, we we got that on there, took them off the network, and then ran the tool to 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 do that, um, and that. You know, was like I know you, it sounds like you're in an area though that where you have like a central like hub for these member forensics, right? Where you can just like grab it quickly, or like yep. you have like a centralized place that you can pull from. Um, working at you know a much smaller organization, I remember just having to like I said having a USB stick or having some drive that we just you know copied it over and then we we started running the tool yeah. uh, as best I, as we could. And the first way I started doing that was uh, with Redline, so I used the Redline collector. Um, mm -hmm. which you can create yep. to pull down also like a, a copy of the running memory. I would um, use that collector because it basically just creates like a batch file that you can yep. just run, right? So I would mm -hmm. deploy that out by like a PSExact or an X copy because I had admin rights um, with certain IDs. And so I could just copy that over and then remotely run it and then pull the memory back with an X copy. Right. It's yeah, like that's the poor, the poor man's like uh, remote uh, acquisition. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, and I wanted to bring that up because I feel like, you know, what what I found really, like, people think of forensics and it's really, you're digging really deep into the system. I mean, there is a big learning curve and, like you said, having a good understanding of the system itself and your operating system and what's doing what. Google can help with that, but it's also really easy to get into this memory forensics. And if you have an opportunity to do so, I would highly recommend it because the documentation on a lot of this stuff is really awesome. And yeah. it, it took me no time at all to get up and start pulling stuff and start digging into stuff and, and starting to figure it out. I mean, if nothing else, I mean, especially if you have like really solid timestamps, 
you will see abnormal stuff. Like I, like I mentioned already, you'll see Emmett when it kicks in. You'll see AV kick in, you know, and that might be enough to say, oh, yeah, the, 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 the AV got the malware. So we, we have yep. more confidence in this box not being infected. Or you get to see some really cool stuff. Uh, like right. I said, an EXE, <laughs> being, you know, with random characters and numbers being dropped in the temple. That's not right. That shouldn't be there. Um, or, or when someone's uh, trying to uh, look at uh, adult images on their machine and they're using uh, <laughs> Which incognito happens. mode, right? Why? Why do people uh, do, yeah, people do what people are going to do? And then, yeah, so nothing goes to disk. So you wouldn't be able to see that unless you were able to pull memory or you parse out like the page file. Right. That's the biggest thing, too, is is there is a checkbox, which I don't know why there'd be a checkbox, but there is a checkbox for do you want to collect memory? Yes. Yep. I mean, if, if you, you know, if the if the system's rebooted, then, yes, you lose a lot of that information. But if it's if you can get a live machine and you, you know, make sure you have the box checked, uh, you can get a lot of powerful information from it. And it's it's just really awesome. I've really yeah. It's it's one of the things that I really enjoyed doing when I was uh, doing more of a generalized role, kind of miss it a little bit, yeah. but. And then it's, you know, it, it, the more that you learn about um, forensics in general and like all these different uh, different weird things that uh, an operating system does and how that tracks the user, what they're doing, or how just the system itself tracks different things. Mm-hmm. And then when, as you learn more about that, you just apply it to uh, basically in memory forensics. So if you're looking for certain things in the registry, well, in memory forensics, you can pull down any uh, hives that were loaded at the time parse them and, and see this stuff. And it's just the more that you learn on that side, it just reflects more of what you can tell people about uh, what happened, you know, it, what it did, what it executed, all that stuff. It's awesome. I, yeah. I love it's It's always a blast to go in there. I'm always like, you're always learning new stuff about like mm-hmm. what the OS does. And many times you're like, what the hell? Like, for example, like Internet Explorer. You wouldn't expect Internet Explorer to, uh, well, you expect Internet Explorer just to have like Internet Explorer web history, right? But actually, if you look in there, it actually keeps track of uh, when you open files as well. So you'll actually see file paths of documents you open, pictures and things like that. Anything that you're like browsing around in the GUI and opening and clicking. And that's awesome because if you're looking at someone that was doing something like kind of shady, you could pull that up and be like, yeah, they copied and opened these files from a thumb drive or they definitely browsed this, this file and opened it, looked at it. That's stuff like that. It's, it's nuts. All right. So what skills are needed for memory forensics? I would say, uh, uh, having a, a deep knowledge of the operating system. Again, it kind of goes back to what I was saying before where, you have to know like what's normal. So that is just having experience of how, if it's Windows that you're, if you're in a Windows environment, it's what's normal for Windows to do, right? And then after you, you know, you kind of conquer that a little bit or you're more familiar with it, a lot of the stuff becomes easier. And then you couple that with learning just even the basics of uh, forensics in general that applies to it just as much. Okay, so what resources are available for learning more about memory forensics? So there's, trying to think of some of the, the, a lot of, actually a lot of the places I've learned uh, kind of new and interesting stuff is from a lot of CTFs. So there's starting to be a lot more um, forensic CTFs that are out there. There's one at DEF CON this year that SANS put on that was awesome. Um, And it had a lot of interesting kind of tricks and and nifty things to learn about to try and answer the questions they were asking. 
And so I, for me at this point, like I'm kind of going to those places to learn new things. For basics, there's a lot of blogs out there. Um, I think a journey into incident response has a couple of good posts on that as well. Yeah, there's there's definitely a lot more than it used to be. If like five five years ago or more, five ten, there probably wasn't as much. Yeah, I, and I think there's a with volatility when it came out, like that. I think that kind of started its own community as well. Like you said, yeah. there's plugins for it and different things. So there's there's yeah. definitely plenty of resources to to learn more about it. Yep, and volatility's got examples of you know, a lot of breakdowns of how all their plugins are working. Um, you can always just read the code since it's open source. Um, they have some sample images for you to play with as well. Another gr- another great place actually. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, Kyle, what would you like to plug? What would I like to plug? Yeah. Well, MySec. MySec, yes. You're and one Converge, of those people. Converge and B-Sides Detroit. Yes, you're, which you're an organizer of. Fantastic conference, by the way. Yeah. And MySec's a, a blast. We're just a local security group in Michigan. Uh, There's like three. What do you mean? Yeah. Just- We're out of Southfield, which is um, close to Detroit. We have Lansing and uh, Jackson, Michigan. So we have uh, our monthly meetups, um, usually the the second week. So it's like the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday of every month. And the last uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday is our socials. So just getting people involved and talking about security, getting up and talking about their passions. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Another great place to learn more about memory forensics. (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah i've given him a couple of uh, intro to memory forensics talks that were at my sec yeah did you give one at uh b-size detroit this year on memory forensics as well i did yeah you and me were at the same time so i didn't get to see it so yep yeah damn it you should do something about that next year as if i if i speak next year <laughs> make sure we're not on the same time <laughs> so i go, so we can uh we can troll each other or something i don't know I would love to see an, a, a like I said. I, if people can't tell, I, I get really, I, I really like memory forensics a lot. Yeah. So and, and my goal is to I think for next year to build actually like a workshop. Ooh. So, so I'll build a couple more examples. I've actually that was one of the things I did at MySec was have a, a workshop, and so I built like a couple of uh, funny funny images. Uh, you know, usernames like Billy clicks it because he clicks everything. And so then you uh, have him, you, you set up a Cali box with like, you know, a, a poison document, mm-hmm. send it to him and Billy clicks it. You get a remote control in, you run some commands and then you can take a look at that, see what it looks like. All right. And then you're also chaotic flaws on Twitter. Yes. I get you some Twitter follows, man. All right. All right, cool. Well, thank you for jo- joining me to discuss what are memory forensics. That will do it. Hopefully you learned something. Feedback is welcome at timothy.dblock at gmail.com or on Twitter at timothydblock. Show notes can be found at timothydblock.com forward slash E-I-S. If you enjoyed the show, share it with others and rate it on iTunes. Have a good one.